Okay. A really annoying thing happened to me the other day. Um, we'd recently bought a new car, a Kia Cerato. We'd researched the whole process. Um, you know, how to buy a second-hand car, what brands were best, and we narrowed it down to just four makes, and in the end, we bought a Kia. It was reliable, you know, it was safe, it was very comfortable, it was fantastic. And I was proud of my Kia. It looked good, it felt good. I was very, very happy. But then my brother-in-law, just as we were leaving their place after having a lovely dinner, said to me, has your Kia broken down yet? I was shocked. Didn't he know the incredible reliability record of the Kia? Did he not know this? Didn't he know that these motor vehicles were safe and look great? Why would he say that? It's crazy. Of course, I reacted in that way because gradually I developed what marketers call brand loyalty. And we all know this, don't we? Some people buy certain brands because of the values that are associated with them. It makes them feel good. And they can even become external expressions of their self-worth. Can you believe that? It's true. They help us, can help us feel worthwhile and that we matter. And an attack on my brand is an attack on me. This morning, the text before us is the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this has much to say about this issue of identity and worth. Who is Jesus? Who are we? And where does our sense of identity and worth come from or ought to come from? So the baptism of Jesus happened in this way. Just before his public ministry began, he came to the Jordan River where John the Baptist was preaching and baptizing. And John's message was simple. The kingdom of God is about to explode on the scene. God's regent, God's son, is at hand. This is really urgent. Turn away from your old lives of wrongdoing and unfaithfulness. Clean up your act and get ready for the king. And John the Baptist cut a powerful and persuasive figure. The scripture describes him as wearing rough camel's hair clothing with a leather belt around his waist. To the ordinary people, he must have looked and sounded just like a thundering Old Testament prophet. And there was an incredible feeling of anticipation in the air. And people responded to John in their thousands and came to him both humble and great, confessing their sins and being baptized by him. Such was the impact of John the Baptist's ministry that many decades later, well into the first century, the followers of John the Baptist continued to be a distinct group within the church. But then onto the scene came Jesus. And he himself stepped forward to be baptized by John. Now, initially, John resisted and said, actually, I need to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? And Jesus answered, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. So the important point here 
is not that Jesus is being baptized because he stands in need of forgiveness. Jesus had committed no sin. But rather, this is about Jesus identifying fully with humanity. So let's explore this point. Think about this. The doctrine of the Trinity, which we mentioned just before, speaks of the unity of God being expressed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the three persons have been described as the lover, the loved, and love. Have you heard of that description? It's from St. Augustine in the 4th century. And of course, God is the lover, Jesus Christ is the loved, and the Holy Spirit is love, the bond between lover and the loved. Now, in the fullness of time, Scripture teaches that the loved, that is the second person of the Trinity, became incarnate. That's a fancy word simply meaning he became a human being. And this person, as we we know, is Jesus Christ, fully divine, fully human. Jesus, the loved, became one of us. I like to think of it in this way. Through Jesus, God took our human flesh into himself. God bonded himself eternally to our humanity. In Jesus, God fully, utterly, and permanently identified with humankind. That is with you and with me. Try and make it as personal as you possibly can this morning. It's it's the most profound truth you'll ever hear. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas And that is the nub, or the central truth of Christianity. And now, as Jesus steps forward to be baptized by John the Baptist, we have God in the flesh following through with his process of identification. He was among the people who were coming for baptism. He took his place in the queue, as everyone else was doing. He came forward to John and asked to be baptized. You see, Jesus shared in our human condition. He is fully representative of all of humanity. This is the genius of God's saving plan. It is not something we would have thought up ourselves. Because God works not from the outside in, you know, imposing himself and his judgment on fallen humanity, but rather God works from the inside out. In Jesus, God comes into his creation, standing alongside people, being one with us and doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And then what happens? Well, in verse 16... We're told that as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. It's like Jesus came up out of the water. This is the inside-out movement, and meets God who was coming towards him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. There's so much here, isn't there? Think, first of all, about the persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all clearly present at this moment. 
But you'll notice that the voice of God names Jesus as the beloved. God is the lover. Jesus is the beloved. The Holy Spirit is the bond of love between them. Think also of the way God affirms Jesus. Jesus, you are my beloved son. I am so pleased with you. I love you. I affirm you. I delight in you. You see, at the heart of God, there is a heart of love. The essence of God is love. Not love as an idea or a feeling or a sentiment, but real relational love between the three persons of the Trinity. This is the God we worship. And this is the God who calls us to love as well. Now, think about how Jesus stands as a kind of representative of all of humanity. Theologians call this, and bear with me, the vicarious humanity of Christ. Vicarious, of course, means representative. And in this, his capacity of representative, Jesus died and rose again for us. And in our own baptism, we are joined to Jesus so that all the benefits of his death and resurrection become ours as well. We died with him and we have been raised with him. And now he lives his life of love through us. So when Jesus, sorry, God says to Jesus, you're my beloved child, I delight in you. He's also saying to each one of us this morning, you are my beloved child. I delight in you. You are so very precious to me. You know, we humans have lots of voices running around in their heads, don't we? Right now, you've got voices. I can't hear them, but you can. And these voices are messages that we speak to ourselves all the time. And very often these voices say negative things in our minds. Things like, you're actually a failure. You know, just look at you. People only pretend to like you. You know, if they really knew you, they wouldn't like you at all. You're a fraud. You're not really attractive enough, you see. Or you're not very talented. You're not very clever. Let's be honest, you've made a bit of a mess of your life. Just look at it. Messages like this plague so many people all the time. And even those who seem very successful in life can also have these messages of inferiority. In fact, sometimes that's what drives them so hard. Or else, messages of arrogance and self-absorption, which are equally bad. And it's because people are looking for affirmation in the wrong place. And they try and find validation and self-worth in a career or becoming an influential person or a person with a title or the example I gave earlier of owning certain things or of being captive to brands to make us feel that somehow we're okay. But this morning I want you to hear something really important for 2020. Our sense of identity and worth come from Jesus Christ, who lived, was baptised, died and rose again for us. 
And God loves you. God loves me. Not because we're perfect and fully worthy of love, because none of us are, but rather because of Jesus. We are bound to Jesus through our baptism. And by virtue of our relationship with Jesus, God says to us, you are my beloved child. I am so pleased with you. That is our source of identity and worth. So take hold of God's love. Celebrate God's love. Smile because you know that God loves you. Enjoy the reassurance of God's love. And then, as Jesus did, go out and serve this God of love. How did Jesus' love for God the Father express itself? Jesus was fully obedient to God. That's number one. But immediately following his baptism, God led Jesus into the desert to be tested. That could be our call as well. God led Jesus to live a life of service to others. That is most certainly our call as well. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. That call is ours as well. You see, it's all about Jesus. And where Jesus goes, we go. So put this love into practice so, uh, and be God's representative as Jesus was. Pass on this love and this acceptance to those you meet. Cross the room. Cross the street. Reach out to that other person. Because they have these messages in their minds and they just need one other human being to say, I, I want to be in relationship with you. I love you. You have been accepted by God. Now we must love and accept others. As God has loved us in Christ, so let us love one another. Amen.